Hello, fellow seeker. Welcome back to the Fulfillment Project podcast. I have my right-hand girl with me, Greer. Hello. Hello, everyone. Yes. We're excited because A, we have a guest with us today, and B, we have an announcement. So one of the things that Sarah and I know from working with women in the sisterhood is that healing is hard and it seldom happens in isolation. Um, Not only that, but we might have access to some therapies, might have access to friends and family who can support us. We might have, you know, read some self-help books. We might have some level of awareness, but not enough to really get us to where we want to go in terms of our healing. Mm -hmm. So that was something that Sarah and I really saw a need for. And we really wanted to develop something that would satisfy that need so we could help even more people um, outside of the sisterhood and within the sisterhood as well. Yes. And so we have created NUMA and we've done this alongside my partner, my beau, Joe, who you may have heard on the podcast if you're a longtime listener. And really the three of us came together asking ourselves How do we help people break decades of old patterning? How do we help people overcome limiting beliefs? How do we help people heal through trauma and rebalance their emotions and ultimately to unlock their full potential and completely transform their life? So this helps people's careers and businesses, helps their health and fitness, deepens their relationships and any other aspect of their life that they're looking to excel in. And this is where the three of us came up with the concept of NUMA, which is really just a collection of coaches, a collection of healing modalities, a collection of services to serve people on the path of growth and self-discovery. So for all of our sisters out there, don't worry, the Alliance Sisterhood is still there. We're still going to be running that. And also you can join if you want. Um, New. The sisterhood will become part of NUMA Mm -hmm. and NUMA, of course, you can join no matter who you are, where you are, or what you're going through. The idea is that wherever you are on your path, we can help. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I've left the NUMA website uh, in the show notes if people want to go check it out and what we're all about. Uh, We also have a quiz in the show notes that you'll hear me mention through this episode that we did with Joe, which helps you identify which of the core psychological wounds is holding you back the most. And this is the context for our entire episode that we're going to introduce you to here with Joe. And we go into what psychological wounds are. We're going to break down each of the five psychological wounds. We're going to talk about the masks that we adopt, these uh, personas or facades that we feel like we need to, um, you know, put on in order to step out in public, in order to feel safe. And then ultimately, how do we heal from these psychological wounds that ultimately dictate the limiting beliefs that come up and also limiting and sabotaging emotions? So we brought you on because he is expert in these five wounds and we asked him a bunch of questions and we got a ton of answers and great information and we hope that you really enjoy this conversation. Yes, let's dive in. You are listening to the Fulfillment Project Podcast. 
My name is Sarah Funnell, your host, fellow sister seeker, and author of Follow the Joy, the book on aligned manifestation. This show is your spot for spiritual and personal development. It's your soft landing into a place for you to embody your truth and reclaim your sovereign power. I've been a coach for more than a decade, helping thousands of people transform their lives. And I'll be sharing the most effective and profound tools to help you step into the most abundant, joyful, and fulfilled version of yourself. I'm so glad we found each other here today. My promise to you is that this show will support you to live from a fully embodied and aligned space so that you can reach your goals, share your gifts with the world, and step into a life that is truly your own. Take my hand, dear sister, and let's jump in. Joe, I'm so excited to have you back on this show. If anybody's a longtime listener, they've definitely heard from Joe, my partner here. Joe, welcome. Happy to be here today. Happy to be here with the both of you. I'm very excited for what we are about to talk about. Yes. Yeah, it's... we're happy to have you. Thank you. Very much. I mean, it's been a few years since you've been on the show, and I'm just amazed at um, what you've been diving into, what you've been helping clients with. And really your shift from business coaching, which is what we were doing to mindset and life performance coaching. And how would you explain what you're doing right now? Just to give some context to our listeners. In simplest form, I would say help people relate to their thoughts and feelings differently through guiding, teaching, and instructing. That's it. And I guess some people can call it a form of like psychoeducation. Um, but generally speaking, I find that people are not good with thoughts, feelings, emotions. They're, 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 their vocabulary with these things. We've never been taught to deal with our emotions as kids, what to do with them, how to identify them. And most people are generally just afraid of their own experiences and past. We stuff them down. We don't talk about them. And, um, it's just really a matter of teaching people now how to deal with these thoughts and these feelings differently than they have in the past. So Joe, you and I come from first off a health and fitness background, helping clients in that manner. You know, mm -hmm. then we went on with business coaching and throughout all that coaching in those, you know, different ways, there was this common underlying theme of clients being stuck or clients sabotaging themselves, or no matter how much we gave the tools or the, you know, this, the, the playbook, we're like, here, do this. Right. Either they weren't doing it or the results weren't coming, or there were these limitations that were on clients. And we saw this again and again. And, and this is why I know you went into, you know, mindset and learning about the mind. And so where do these limitations come from? I feel like we're all just a bunch of wounded people bumping into each other every single day. Have you ever, um, let's say, hurt yourself, uh, your elbow, your hand, burnt yourself and throughout the day, you constantly bump it and you're like, ow, ow, ow. Um, or let's say, for example, Sarah, if you had a burn on your hand and I went to go grab your hand with the burn on it, what would your reaction be? Oh, I'd jerk it right away. So is it something that I'm doing wrong or that you're doing wrong? Not necessarily. And yet, um, so what I'm finding is that we're all just a bunch of wounded people bumping into each other from our past. A bunch of people who have felt rejection, betrayal, aban abandonment, humiliation, injustice, all millions, billions of people with our own lens of reality, you know, what's right, what's wrong, and all just trying to do this together. And going back to what we were doing before, you know, what we really noticed was the differences between the people succeeding and not succeeding. Well, what was that difference? You know, how can you give 
similar people, the same plan, the same map to follow, but they're not getting to the same destination. Well, if someone is completely frightened by getting on the highway or behind the wheel, the map doesn't really matter, does it? Mm -hmm. If someone can't drive properly or doesn't know how to drive the vehicle they're given, the map doesn't really matter either. And so when we started to really recognize the people succeeding, the ones that weren't, it really came down to mindset belief patterns, um, you know, limiting beliefs, limiting emotions, and their past that has now basically dictated their behavior and how do they move forward. Yeah. So, Joe, you kind of made this really eloquent segue into sort of the main topic that we're going to discuss today, and that is those five wounds that you mentioned. The five wounds. You, the five wounds. And I don't know if you want to kind of go in and, and repeat what those are and sort of tell us what what are the five wounds? Why do we have them? Where do they come from? Well, 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 let's start with just what they are and the whole topic of conversation. And for those listening, you know, if you can, and it's safe, you can close your eyes. If you're driving, you just kind of daydream as you're paying attention. But think back to your life and think back to a time or the first time or the last time you felt rejected. Think about it the first time or the last time you felt abandoned or betrayed, humiliated, or felt a sense of injustice. And I'm sure everyone who's listening, including the two of you, can think of times for any of these things. The question then becomes, what happens to us when these events occur to us? So what happens when we get rejected? What happens when we feel abandoned? What happens when we feel betrayed? What happens to our thoughts and behaviors after these events is what I have become very fascinated with. And one of the things that I have, um, there's a quote that I heard that I really, really like. And it says that we are not the way we are because of what happened to us. We are the way we are because of the way we think about the things that happened to us. Mm, that's so good. And it, it's kind of like uh, when Gabor Monte says, like, trauma isn't what happened. It's like outside, but what happened inside of us. And I'm butchering that quote horribly, but yeah. I I see that resonating in what you're saying. And for simple terms, I mean, the five wounds are known as like the five psychological wounds. You know, and, and what is a wound? You know, you know, they're cuts, they're scrapes, they're bruises. These are things that happen to us. And generally speaking, we're, we're talking in terms of things like trauma, certain external events that our brains can't really comprehend. So we don't know what to do with it. So we stuff them down. And if we want to get into kind of, um, you, you mentioned, you know, where, you know, what is the five wounds? Where do they come from? How does it happen? Um, when we think back to our childhood, and, and most, if not all, it depends on who you want to speak to, but, but, but most people will agree that these wounds happen very early on in childhood. Generally speaking, before the ages, you know, between the ages of zero to six, when that conscious mind hasn't even developed yet, think of how much is happening in our world in those first six years. Parents arguing, telling you no, yelling at you, you know, ignoring you, they're busy. When you're just a little foot high and you're seeing your parents interact all day long, and, all, and you don't understand the language. You just feel the feelings. We're absorbing stress. We're absorbing so much from external environment. Then we have events that happen. And something could be catastrophic. Something could be huge. You know, um, a parent leaving, divorcing. It could be, um, you know, all kinds of things. Humiliating events that happen to us. Things that just don't seem fair. 
And what starts to happen is as a young child who doesn't have the vocabulary, who doesn't have the outlet to do anything with this, we don't know what to do with these external events. We don't know what to do with these emotions that we can't process. And have you guys seen Ghostbusters? Yes, so long ago. Okay, so you know, you know that little pr- the, the thing that they get to put the ghost in. Mm-hmm. You know, they they slide it in, and the ghost goes in the box. They contain the box. Well, this is kind of what we do with trauma. We can kind of we, we create this little trauma container to put this in. And as as young beings, we stuff these containers away in our body. If you've ever seen the movie Inside Out, watch it. It's an amazing movie. You'll you'll understand this a lot more. Um, but as adolescents and as little kids, we're still learning the rule book. We're still trying to figure out vocabulary. We're still trying to figure out what's right and what's wrong. These events happen. We don't know what to do with them. So we put them in our little Ghostbuster container. We stuff them down. And then as we age, the body goes, hey, we can't just keep these in here. We got to do something about this. We got to resolve this. Hey, you're getting older now. You have a better communication. You understand emotions. You should understand these things. Here's what we're going to do. We'll bring this stuff up. We'll give you circumstances in your life for you to notice this stuff happening. We call them triggers or loops that keep happening in your life. And if that doesn't give you the message, we'll send you some dis-ease. We'll make sure parts of your body aren't feeling that good to let you know that, hey, you know what? Some of the stuff is still stuff inside of you. And it's fascinating when you, when you really start to meet people and understand people and, and, and you know where they come from, what they've been through. No one's immune to this. I've not, I've not met a single human being that is immune to this. And that's why it fascinates me so much to see how people process this, what they do with it, how they behave because of it, and how they can change once they learn how to heal this. I think that's the, that's the highlight there, right? Is that we can change. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is these behaviors or these emotions or these traits that come out of each of these wounds, they're mostly unconscious. Of course. Meaning we don't realize that we're playing this out again and again. How many times have we heard squats are bad for your back or knees? Yeah. Too many. Yeah. Okay. So is it squatting that it's bad for your knees or if you can't squat properly, it's bad for your knees? Yes. Ladder. ladder. Now, when I look at the psychological wounds or the five wounds, what I look at is I look at uh, what I call like brain knots, knots in your brain. And, and imagine having knots in your back, knots in your shoulder, tight hips, tight ankles. Well, when you have these tightnesses in your body, the body doesn't move the same way. And if you try to do certain movements, a squat, a bench press, whatever you, whatever you want to do with tight muscles, eventually an injury might happen or it's not going to feel very good on the joints. And I feel like the, the, the wounds are very similar. They, they create these, these, these scars, so to speak, these, these imaginary scars in the brain, the adhesions, knots. And then we start to go, oh, you know what? Benching sucks or squatting sucks. It hurts my knees because of, because of the tightness that I have. But it's not the external environment that's causing the issue. It's just our perception of it that's causing the harm. And all of us, anyone you know, experiencing these five wounds, the best way I've learned to explain it now is that they're just knots that need to come undone. Mm-hmm. There's a lesson that hasn't been learned. There's something that hasn't been healed. There's someone that hasn't been forgiven. There's a release that hasn't. There's a release, like a muscle release that hasn't occurred yet, keeping this tight, keeping you avoiding certain things. Mm, yes. So 
one of the things that I know, Sarah, we say, Joe, we say all the time that the the beginning stages of healing is awareness. Um, so awareness of these knots or or of these wounds is sort of the the first step in order uh, to begin to unravel them and to heal them. So what I would love to do is to sort of go through each of these wounds so we can sort of identify what they are and and if we do indeed have them and how they are presenting themselves in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Also, um, also we've put together a pretty in-depth quiz that I do want to mention here before we get into these. If anybody's interested in, in in identifying what their predominant wound that is playing out in their life right now, um, scroll down wherever you're listening and you'll find the show notes and we'll leave you a link here. Um, but as we go through each of these five that we'll talk about right now, just kind of like have your awareness open. Like, are you identifying with any of these behaviors? Are you seeing any of these patterns in your life? And like what Greer said, the first step to change is always self-awareness because we cannot change what we are not aware of. So really hope like, you know, what we're about to go through now is uh, very insightful for you listening here. Excellent. Yeah. Let's start with the rejection wound, Joe. Okay. So first off, you know, let's just define rejection here um, for anybody who might not be familiar or, you know, we can just elaborate on it a little bit more. Um, basically, it's the ache of being pushed away, dismissed, overlooked. Simple, yeah. simple terms. Um, you know, this, this happens when someone turns us down, dismisses us, excludes us. And it could be as mild as being, you know, picked last for a team sport or passed over for something. Uh, it could also be from childhood issues, you know, being rejected by your parents, could be being rejected by a partner. But generally speaking, it's anything that's pushed away, dismissed, overlooked would be mm -hmm. the, the general um, understanding of rejection and the rejection wound. Yeah. Bull bullying also ties into this. And I do want to mention that um, because I know bullying through childhood is quite common or even being teased by classmates uh, when we're younger. And at the time, you know, we're obviously hurt by it. But as we get older, we're like, oh, like that was nothing. And I'm speaking from experience here because I was bullied and um, can see myself in this rejection wound so much. I think that's actually a really common theme of all of these wounds that like the initial experience is really unpleasant. Mm -hmm. And often that's why we suppress it and, you know, store it away. But the ongoing impact of carrying those around um, is also highly problematic and can hinder us in a lot of ways. And I think we'll see that as we sort of explore these wounds and if we do think like, yeah, it sucked at the time, but, you know, I'm over it now, watch your behaviors and see if you really are over it or if you're just not dealing with it. Mm -hmm. So to, I love what you're saying there, Greer. And to me, it's, it, let's go back to the injuries and weightlifting. Are you dealing with by avoiding certain exercises and just not doing them? Are you dealing with healing your body so your body can fully be mobile and do all the exercises? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for example, do you mind if I go into some of the behaviors of people with the rejection? Wound? Absolutely. Go for it. So you might go, hey, you know what? That happened to me in the past. It's okay. I've dealt with it okay. But are you the type of person who needs validation all the time? Are you the type of person who feels being alone? 
Are you the type of person who is constantly people pleasing? Are you someone who's constantly self-sabotaging or overreacting to rejection? Always need to make things perfect or difficultly trusting others, perhaps low self-esteem as well. So it can show up in many different ways. And like you were saying, Greer, is if I don't want to feel a certain way again, I'll adopt new behaviors to make sure that doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. And if I don't want to feel um, you know, rejected again, I'm going to make sure things are perfect. If I don't want to make sure, if I don't want to feel rejected again, I'm going to make sure people around me are always pleased. Right. And if I don't know if they're already always pleased or not, well, guess what? I got a constant need for validation. What do they think of me? What do they think of me? Mm-hmm. And if I'm constantly wondering if other people are approving me, I don't want to be alone. Right. So these things come out as behavior. So these events we can look back on and go, yeah, you know what? They happened to me. It, it, it was in the past, but for some people, Dealing with the past is not just, oh, yeah, recognizing and being aware of it, but understanding how the past is now affecting you moving forward. That makes sense. The next wound is the abandonment wound. And so, Joe, I mean, I know a lot of people might have a, a perceived notion of what abandonment is, but how do we define abandonment here? Generally speaking, abandonment is when we feel deserted, forgotten neglected, unsupported, or when someone leaves us in a a sudden, unexpected way. And we all experience moments in our lives where we feel, you know, left behind, isolated, or forgotten by others. Um, However, some people have experienced level of abandonment that leads to significant emotional and, you know, psychological trauma. This is one of the biggest ones for me. My mom left when I was three, didn't meet her until I was 26. This was a huge scar for me. Not everyone has to feel it that deep. It doesn't have to be necessarily someone who's forgotten, left you forever. And like I said, so the depth of this could be could be different for everyone. But generally speaking, it's that feeling of deserted, forgotten, neglected, uh, unsupported by someone that is supposed to be there for us. Um, could the death of a family member or someone close by also count as, you know, a contributing factor to an abandonment wound? Yes, because of people's perception that they feel like that person shouldn't have been leaving me right now. That's And it could also be injustice. It's not fear. They could literally have injustice towards God. I've seen that. Uh, Injustice towards other people. Uh, But definitely it can be a form of that as well. So what are the the behaviors that might come out of of this type of wound? So it's kind of like, how do you know if you're suffering from this wound? Yes, tell us. Does this sound like you? Uh, well, here's some common things, clinginess, you know, people that are excessively clingy or dependent on other people, see, you know, seeking constant reassurance and validation, uh, it could come out in forms of fear of intimacy. It could be difficulty trusting others. It could be a strong sense of self-sufficiency and all of these. I'm just like, yeah, that was me. That was me. That was me. Anxiety, panic attacks, uh, push pull dynamics. Meaning, you know, in in, um, some respects, you're seeking this closeness and then right away you're pushing them away. You want them close, you're pushing them away. You want them close, you're pushing them away. Um, It could be, like you mentioned before, the fear of loss. You know, you have this massive fear of losing someone close to you. And if you do, you feel very abandoned by them. It could also show up in terms of like jealousy and low self-esteem. So any of these could be characteristics of those wounds. 
And, you know, the biggest fear of the abandonment is just basically, you know, being left alone or forgotten. So the behaviors are, that's the fear. If you're a fear, if your fear is being left alone or forgotten, well, you know, your behaviors are going to do things to make sure that doesn't happen. Right. So, you know, cleanliness, so people cannot leave you type of thing. Um, briefly for listeners, would you be able to tell us the the difference between rejection and abandonment? Because I know that can be confusing. Yes. And very, so I call them the very close cousins. They, they could be neighbors. They could be cousins, almost brothers and sisters. And so rejection is the experience of being turned down, excluded, or dismissed by others. It can involve a specific situation or event where an individual feels unwanted or not accepted. Abandonment, on the other hand, is the experience of being left or deserted by someone who was previously present or in a position of responsibility. And sometimes the behaviors, you can see them very closely. Like there's overlap between them. There, there can be overlap between them. Yeah. And like, it, like low self-esteem is for rejection as well. And if, if mm -hmm. we fear not being included or fear someone leaving, there's that, you know, am I good enough? Of course. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. The next wound is uh, the humiliation wound, um, sometimes also called the shame wound. Um, humiliation. How do we define yeah. that? Yeah. Now, if you've ever felt embarrassed, uh, guilty, or shamed to such an extent that it altered your behaviors and perception of people, you most likely have a humiliation. And humiliation is when we are put down in front of others, either intentionally or even by accident. Um, perhaps you were bullied growing up for being different. Um, you know, you're mortified being in a public setting. You're harshly criticized or made a mistake that left you you know, with all this remorse and just feeling completely stupid. Um, regardless of the specifics of the incident, the result is always the same internally in how people experience that discomfort, that indignity, or that belittlement. And the humiliation can impact everything from self-esteem, self-worth, to even our ability to have healthy relationships with others. Mm -hmm. And obviously this comes with its own uh, set of behaviors as well. And so what do we see play out from someone with a humiliation wound? Big one is avoidance. You know, ten the tendency to want to avoid situations where they might feel vulnerable or at risk of being humiliated. You know, things like public speaking, social gatherings. Uh, we see it commonly with a lot of low self-esteem. You know, people who've been humiliated a lot can struggle with feeling good about themselves, feeling, you know, they don't feel worthy. They don't feel valuable. We see it a lot in terms of perfectionism. This is a common one for a lot of people, mm. you know, that perfection is because, you know, they want to be flawless and they want to avoid any criticism or judgment. So they feel they got to be perfect. Overly self-conscious is another big one as well. Constantly worrying about how they appear, um, how others see them. Defensive behaviors is another common behavior as well. Um, where they feel vulnerable or they're at risk of being criticized, they can get very defensive. They could have a big fear of failure. And the other two common ones is a lot of isolation and you know, isolating themselves, avoiding close relationships, social situations, and difficulty being vulnerable. And you know, it's it's hard being vulnerable and not being 
judged and worrying about what people are going to think. And, and, you know, they tend to, to be very closed off, difficult with that, avoidance, low self-esteem, all those kind of combined. I know that on this podcast, Sarah and I have talked about, you know, my journey with um, perfectionism and fear of failure and imposter syndrome and stuff like that. And what I'm noticing throughout this discussion is one, myself, um, but specifically seeing that like perfectionism comes up, not just in like humiliation, but it also comes up in rejection. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering, and I'm sure maybe some of our listeners are too, what are the odds that all of us are dealing with all of these wounds or at the very least more than one? What are the odds that people who sit all day long have tight hip flexors and probably tight pecs? I feel called out. <laughs> Most people. And it's, we all have these. We all have them. We all have forms of them. We've all experienced them. And and the way I look at this is try imagining someone who hasn't experienced this before. Right. They have been isolated in a basement and, well, I'm in there. Wait, never mind. There's a whole wound in this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a wound in itself. <laughs> And, and so, you know, we, we generally speaking have overlapping wounds that, that shape and define how we think and how we behave. And, and not only that, but some wounds show up more later in life, more frequently over and over and over again, maybe get betrayed over and over and over and over again. And perhaps that was a huge wound, maybe when you were a child that keeps coming up for you to heal. But there are a lot of common behavior traits. Um, and, and that will be because, A, like, like you said, you know, everyone will have some form of these to a degree. And some of these do have overlapping behaviors because we're, you know, we're all trying to avoid pain and gain pleasure. And so if the pain of these are very similar, then we're all trying to avoid. So if putting ourselves out there makes us feel humiliated or makes us feel betrayed or makes us feel this, well, great, I'm not going to do that. Um, there are some that have, you know, some of these wounds have very distinct characteristics but they do have a lot of ca common characteristics as well. It's very much like what you were talking about at the beginning with a physical wound on your skin. You know, you're going to protect it. You're going exactly. to pull it away. You're going to make sure that you don't get hurt, you know, even further. And these psychological wounds are exactly the same. And, you know, here's an example of, you know, last week I hurt my shoulders, right? And, you know, everything I did was bugging me. I couldn't sleep on my left side, so I had to sleep on my right. My, whole, my life became affected by this thing. You know, and until you go and see someone like my awesome friend, Dr. Ken, shout out to Dr. Ken, thank you so much, and get this healed, release the tissue. And you find, you know, and then you find out going, well, what happened? What'd you do? Oh, I fell or I did this. And that muscle's protecting me now. It's protecting me from getting hurt any further. It's not there because it doesn't like me. It's actually doing its service. It protected itself so I didn't get hurt anymore. And it doesn't want me to get hurt anymore. It'll let me know which movements hurt me. By giving me that feedback and to, to me the wounds are doing this it's giving us feedback of something that hasn't been healed yet that we need to address create awareness around like we talked about at the beginning and then also do something about to heal these things so if we want to identify a betrayal wound <laughs> what can you tell us about that do you want us to go through the characteristics first or just the the, the behaviors yeah uh for anyone who hasn't been betrayed, what's that like? Um, well, <laughs> of all the wounds, betrayal can be the most crushing, per, you know, pervasive and persistent one. And, and betrayal occurs when someone we trust 
intentionally or unintentionally disappoints us, violates our expectations, or breaks our trust. And the betrayal wound is the resulting emotional and psychological pain from experiencing such a breach. It is the breaking of the glass. It is the things can't be put back together the same way anymore. That mm -hmm. feeling. So like cheating, breaking promises, uh, revealing confidential information, things like that can all be forms of betrayal. And, and I'm glad you sort of talked about like betrayal can actually be really small. So when yeah. I said, hey, if anyone doesn't know, I'm pretty sure everyone does know because even on some levels when you're expectations of someone when your trust of someone has been broken even in really small ways like a friend promises to do something and they don't or when you're in like grade three and your best friend and goes and tells the boy that you like you know your your secret of that you're like why did you do that how could you betray me like that no I want to say something about this because because a lot of things that you're saying now, are, let's say maybe more current situations, they could be small situations. But what we want to talk about here is the development of the wound and how the wound was developed and now how you see similar experiences. That's the key here. So let's say, for example, it could be small things that happen here and here, but your previous experience with this wound will create your lens around these new experiences as well. Does that make sense? Totally. And so, and so, when we're looking at these wounds, I would start looking at the first time, earliest time, or the beginning times when we develop these wounds. Not the picking of the scab, but the initial cuts. And this is where we go back to the childhood experiences of when these things first hit ourselves. As, as a human being, when do we experience these things for the first time going, what do I do with this? I don't know. I've never experienced this before. Ha! Huh. Stuff it down or cry or do something. And, and then it just keeps reoccurring throughout life. So I want to make sure that you know the listeners are really understanding when we're talking about these wounds, we're not talking about Sally who just betrayed you again last week at work by telling everyone your deepest secrets. I'm wondering why does Sally keep doing that to you? When did that first start? How long have people been doing this to you? And how deep or, or how long have you had this wound for? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, what I, if, yeah. Go ahead. I was, was going to ask about common behaviors, uh, with someone with a betrayal wound how has that played out what do you think is the most common one when someone breaks your trust trust issues get out of here you wouldn't say you're telling me someone with betrayal wounds don't trust easily of course not because they've been taught if i trust someone they're gonna let me down they're protecting themselves by not being let down again suspicion is another big one you know fear of vulnerability that's another common theme we've seen. Avoidance, another common theme we've seen as well. Defensive behavior, another common theme. This is a new one, difficulty forgiving. Very mm -hmm. unique to this than the other ones. Self-blame, blaming themselves, being, you know, like, oh, it's my fault that this is happening all the time. And another big one is anger and resentment. When that betrayal gets stuffed up, oh, does it ever show up with a lot of good anger and resentment? You can't see this. The listeners can't see Gris smiling right now, but she's uh, definitely feeling that one. Am I outing myself here? Are you outing yourself? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you know, a lot of just distrust and guardedness coming from that wound. And rightfully so. If, of course. If, if we feel like we've been betrayed or that, that trust has been broken. Um, 
by someone we love and someone close to us, especially in childhood, um, why would we trust moving forward? Of course, of course. And our last one is the injustice wound. Injustice. Any Metallica fans listen to your podcast, Sarah? No, and I don't even get that reference. Injustice for All is one of their albums. Sorry. One person's going to listen to this and go, Joe, I get you. And I will be so happy if you comment somewhere and get that reference. You and I will become best friends. That's for sure. (laughs) Oh, the injustice wound. What a complex and difficult wound to heal. Injustice happens when we experience unfairness or lack of equity. Uh, It is the jarring sense of mistreatment we feel when we've been wronged, when the witnessing or experience of of injustice is overwhelming for us. This is when the injustice wound forms. So when we see something that just shouldn't be happening, we can't understand why it's happening. It's just so not fair. And we don't have a way to, to be able to deal with that boom, we create that injustice wound. And this comes from, you know, this has many faces, discrimination, unfair treatment, false accusations, oppression, abuse of power. We see this all over the world. It's happened for centuries. It's a very, very common one and a very complex and difficult one as well to heal. Mm-hmm. And how are these behaviors played out? So in terms of behaviors and what we commonly see with this is a lot of anger and frustration. And, you know, especially towards things that are unfair, things they've experienced, uh, their past experiences of injustice, a lot of cynicism, uh, a lot of distrust for authority in the systems, a lot of self-righteousness, a lot of protesting, difficulty trusting. That's a common one as well. We see a huge victim mentality with the injustice wound. And similar to some other ones as well, a lot of withdrawal or sense of isolation and a very strong desire for justice and fairness you know so people might seek out activism community sport things like that but in terms of some of the negative behaviors that anger frustration cynicism difficulty trusting uh, those are the behaviors that are really going to prevent people from attaining what they want or really holding them back the most mm-hmm. now it's interesting about all of these wounds, um, when we are uh, subjected to them for the first time, we start to develop a mask or, you know, like a psychological mask. And uh, Greer, how would you explain the psychological mask that is created from having one of these wounds or multiple? Um, So something that I love about this conversation, and I will answer your question, but What I want to say before is that, you know, Joe has been listing out all of these behaviors so that we can, you know, identify these wounds within ourselves. And the mask is also one of those ways that we can identify one of these wounds Um, because the mask is, you know, kind of what what a real mask does is it hides you. Um, So when we have a wound that, you know, it hurts. We don't want people to touch it. We don't want people to see it. We don't want to expose ourselves to more pain. Uh, We develop a persona or, you know, a psychological mask that hides that wound. And because all of the wounds are unique, the mask that we develop to hide a specific wound is unique to that wound. So we can sort of look at the mask, see what that person is doing, the behaviors that mask um, elicits, 
and we can work backwards to find the wound as well. So I know Joe also knows a lot about this um, and he could probably tell us like the specific mask that someone with each of these wounds might wear. And this might be helpful to think about people in, in your life, think about people around you, think about some of their circumstances, and you might notice these in other people. And so the unique mass that goes with each of these wounds are as such. So the rejection, the mask of the rejection is the withdrawer. The mask of abandonment is the dependent. The mask of the humiliation is the masochist. You ever see... um. The best way to explain this, have you ever seen overweight comedians who make fun of themselves a lot? Mm-hmm. That's their way of coping. They become the masochist. They, they tear themselves down. They make fun of themselves so everyone can laugh and accept them. People with the betrayal, the betrayal mass become the controller. If I can just control everything. And we, we know some controllers in the world. Look back in their past. See if they have any betrayal. People who suffer the injustice wound become very rigid. That militant type the irony. And, and so when we look at these things, when, you know, when someone becomes very dependent, very dependent, very dependent, we can work our way back going, wow, there could be some abandonment issues here. Someone, you know, with those, those masochistic tendencies, is there some humiliation? Someone's becoming very controlling. They're always having to control this, 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 this. Is there some betrayal stuff going on? So these masks, like you said, are very unique. So some of them, you know, you might have people pleasing for three or four of these, but in terms of these general masks, the game face we put on so no one knows what we're really feeling inside. Because heaven forbid we're vulnerable sharing that with people. So we put the mask on to say everything is okay. And this is how I'm going to deal with things to keep myself safe. Does that make sense? Yeah, and this is what really... This is what really keeps us separated from our true self, like from our authentic self. And I know for myself before diving into all this and even, you know, personal development and, and growth work and everything that we talk about here on the podcast, a lot of people don't even know what that true self is because they've been wearing a mask for most of their life. We take on this persona as if it's our own and don't even know what those key uh, beautiful traits are underneath of it. Right. We sort of assume that who we are is the mask that we wear and that these behaviors are just how we were wired. You know, we were just born not to trust people and to strive for perfection and everything. Um, But I know that's not the case. Right. Joe even said, like, we're not born this way. Something happens to us and this develops. And I think this is what more people need to understand, you know, and and when people see loops that keep happening in their lives, when people keep seeing the same negative emotions, the same living beliefs and the same feelings over and over and over again, people just assume this is who I am. I've always been this way. And what's fascinating is that every single person I work with, that's not the case. It's not who you generally are. Who you generally are is not a people pleaser. Who you generally are is not someone who's afraid of vulnerability. Who you generally are is not someone who's afraid to be out in public. That's someone you've been conditioned to become because of the experiences that you've had in your life. And then you just, you confirm those with your own beliefs. And to me, the, the, 
the five wounds really kind of segue into those limiting emotions and those limiting beliefs. The I can't do this and I am this and I'm not that. And, you know, these situations anger me. These situations sad me. Now I feel guilty about these things. Like the wounds create the outcomes of emotions that shouldn't be there anymore, that we can't manage properly and limiting beliefs that aren't true. We've just made them true to support the wound that we have. And so I, I think it goes without saying that healing these wounds uh, is imperative for our own personal growth and, and definitely for our well-being. Um, because as I'm sure our listeners have gained from this conversation, these wounds impact our relationships. These wounds impact our ability to exceed or succeed, you know, within our career, our business, you know, it definitely affects our, our health from an anxiety perspective and overwhelmment on the nervous system. And so, Joe, you do something very unique with clients in terms of how you help people with this. And so explain how you work with clients. Very similar to a way of, you know, uh, maybe a chiropractor or someone might work with their clients. There's, there's different means of, of, of releasing tissue. You know, some people might use acupuncture. Some people might use Graston. Some people might use ART. At the end of the day, it's all getting to the same thing. We're trying to release something we're holding on to. We're holding on to an emotion that hasn't been released or resolved. We're holding on to a belief that really isn't true, but we think it is. And so what I do is I work with a variety of techniques, mostly through like things like NLP, neuro linguistic programming and, and different types of techniques through there. But essentially what I'm doing with a client to get them to, let's say, heal from these things, um, where you said this earlier, that awareness is the first step. Now, I, I don't want to be controversial. But I'll say awareness without the tools to heal can almost be worse than not having awareness at all. It's like, if you don't know you're an idiot, then who cares? But if you know you're an idiot now, now you know you're an idiot. And then what do you do? Then yeah. what do you do? And yeah. I've seen so many people in the personal development world have this awareness, but not the tools necessary to do something about it. And through NLP and through a lot of other means as well, common themes that I see to heal. One, the awareness and the acceptance that you can change. Second thing is going to be changing perspectives. So Whatever you need to do, you have to change perspectives of this. Is this happening to you or for you? Um, every time you think about something, are you still in first perspective, like it's happening to you again? Or are you looking from third perspective or a different perspective? Looking for the lessons and looking for the what we call the, the gift in the garbage, to me, has been the biggest gift to give people. To look back at anything, anything that sucked in your life, go back, look at it from an eagle eye perspective. Not don't don't go into the actual event. Witness the event and ask yourself, what's the lesson I need to learn to let go of this? And a lot of people are holding on to so many things and not looking for new lessons. And a big part of it, a part of this as well is forgiveness. I've noticed that unless you're able to forgive yourself for holding on to this for so long, forgiving any of the guilt, any of that surrounding issues, and also be able to forgive others. It's not forgiving them for what they did and giving them permission to do it, but letting go of the fact that it's no longer to control you. You know, so giving people the resources, the tools, and I do this through like hypnosis. I do this through multiple different means, depending on what the so-called injury is, we'll use a different technique. But generally speaking, the, the process is going to be the same. We've got to 
be aware of the issue, the root cause of it. We got to find the lessons in, you know, what we call the gifts in the garbage. There's got to be a forgiveness piece of that. And then an integration process as well. So it's almost like going to a therapist, your shoulder's sore, you release it. Well, now you got to go back to the gym and build some endurance and make sure you don't do the same stupid stuff that caused the injury. Mm -hmm. Right. So to me, there's kind of like an awareness, a release or a healing process, and then like an integration process that goes after that. Um, there's a strength coach that, um, that I follow and he did a post about a study about neural pathways and just what happens when we need to change things we've done for a long time. So he used this in the training world and said that imagine you've never done an exercise in your life and you did it for the first time. It would take 300 to 500 reps to ingrain that new movement pattern and make it automatic. If you've been doing a movement pattern incorrectly and now have to create a new pathway, it takes 3,000 to 5,000 reps to do that, 10 times the amount. Now, I feel with the work that we've been doing, it doesn't take as many reps, but there's still integration. If you spent 40 years of your life saying, I'm not good enough, and I can't speak in front of public, and I can't do this, and I can't do this, it's going to take some new reps of putting yourself out there, putting yourself in positions to build this new muscle to form new beliefs. So that integration process, I feel, is very, very critical and important that a lot of people just aren't paying attention to. And finding a release method that works for you. Maybe, you know, we've seen people do have, have shamanic experiences. They have their mushroom ceremonies. Like anytime you can take the ego out of it, look at things with a new perspective, find those lessons and be able to forgive and integrate. That's a very good start for people. Mm -hmm. And I know that both Sarah and I have experienced, you know, what you do. So I think we can personally attest to how important having those tools is and how important having a coach and a guide is in terms of being able to reflect and cultivate, you know, more compassion and forgiveness and also take on more personal responsibility. And I think that last one is especially important when it comes to the integration piece. I know that I've personally uh, been able to, you know, through healing, take on bigger roles and put myself out there more even this podcast mm -hmm. talk to me before I met Joe and I would not at all be doing this podcast yeah how come a humiliation wound and what's different now than before um I think my ability to see things and go oh I can see how um I would normally react a certain way to this. I would want to withdraw. I would want to hide so that I wouldn't have to deal with other people's opinions. And now I can sort of see it as a choice that, yes, I could fall back into old patterns or I could decide that I want something different and I want a new experience and I want a new way of interacting with the world and life. Yeah. I want to add too that your body needs to learn how to do this in a safe way. Absolutely. Because that's, I think one of the things, um, you know, those, those feelings. So some people are just so viscerally responded to certain events that it's like, I, I just can't help myself. This is like, I just, I'm I have so much fear. I can't, the words can't come out of my mouth or I can't go on stage or I just can't have that conversation or I just can't face those things. And, and this is where, you know, 
NLP or any any of the modalities that help people eliminate that fear, rewire, so to speak, update the software. It's one of the analogies I haven't used yet. Oh my God, I can't even believe I have not talked about this. The way we manage emotions have been taught to us by our parents. Do you know how outdated that software is? And then our own software really hasn't been updated either. You know, so the way we view the world, the way we view our emotions, the way we view ourselves is so outdated for everyone that I feel like everyone needs to take a second to go, wow, what, what are these wounds? What are these emotions? What are these beliefs that are affecting me right now? How do I update this software? I'm going into the Bell store right now and getting the new phone. I'm still stuck with the Nokia S35 from 1992. That's what I'm operating on right now. And that belief that you have, oh my God, if I do this podcast, I'll be humiliated. That was an outdated software. It wasn't true to you, to your divine core as to what you could give people. No, it was just part of you that got humiliated once before. doesn't want to feel that way again. Yeah. Um, and come back to your point, Greer, about saying like, I felt like I had a choice. And with everything that Joe was saying there is you release the fear and myself as well, who can attest to the timeline therapy and, and the work that Joe does it's not like you don't ever have those thoughts. It's not like it's completely gone, but the fear is gone. And when the fear is gone, then you have the ability to make a different choice that you're not guarded by through all that visceral response and that, that what that fear brings up. And so I think that really just gives context into like, well, what is the work and, and how does it work? And, and is it just that I wake up and I'm a completely new person? No, you know, we remove the fear and then work on the integration of new habits and new beliefs uh, and new emotional responses. It's not just removing the fear. Like we're, 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 we're basically reprogramming the response because it could mm -hmm. be guilt. It could be hurt. It could be sad. It could be a lot of things. What we're really looking to do is that when an event happens and hits our eyes, our ears or our body, we're responding in a different way that serves us in a positive manner rather than a negative manner. Mm -hmm. So the response happens, but now I'm okay to put myself in that situation. I'm okay to have that conversation. I feel neutral about my response as opposed to having that old negative response to certain situations. Mm -hmm. Well, this has been Wonderful. And this really does encompass what NUMA is all about. You know, in the introduction of this podcast, I was talking about how NUMA is new and it is our integrated brand that, you know, Joe and I and Greer have created. And we're just so passionate about helping people heal, helping people learn the tools to heal themselves and, and be guided, you know, through our coaching and through Joe's coaching so that. People can do the things they want to do and succeed at the things they want to succeed at and get out of the negative loops that are keeping them stuck. And so, as I mentioned through this podcast, we have a quiz if you're interested in seeing what your most predominant wound is showing up right now. Uh, you can go to the show notes for that. We have an Instagram going for NUMA. The link of that will be in the show notes. And I just feel like this has been a three-year accumulation of knowledge and skills and tools and so much experience on all of our parts where we are now stepping out and, and talking about this. And I'm just so pleased to be collaborating with the two of you and that we have a platform like this to be able to reach people. I'm extremely excited for more people to learn more about this, to experience this, to create awareness and share this as well. So if you are interested, 
yeah, Sarah mentioned the link for the quiz is below. You can take it. Um, and I would say that's kind of like step one. Um, and you can give Numa uh, a follow on Instagram. And yeah, we cannot wait for you to take this journey with us. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you, Joe. I without a doubt know that we will have you back um, for more episodes like this. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you, everyone. We will catch you on the next episode.